Hey guys, welcome to another episode of The Green Room with Neil Griffiths Podcast, presented by Handshake Media. Thanks for listening. I'm not going to do a long-winded intro because my guest today is staring awkwardly back through the Zoom lens, Laura Jane Grace. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. How are you? How are you going? I'm good. I'm hanging in there. I, I um, I you know, it, it comes and goes in waves. Where some days I feel like I'm absolutely losing my mind, and then other days I'm like, I got this. I can handle this. And then the next day I'm like, Oh my god, I'm losing my mind. Um. So right now I'm on one of those days where I'm like, I got this, I can handle this. You're in Chicago right now, right? Yeah, I'm at home in Chicago. And according to Google, it is what, five to seven? Is that correct? It, it's 7 p.m. exactly. Oh. Okay. How's, um, how's everything going over there? Obviously being in Sydney, we're living vastly different lives right now. Yeah, you know, it, it's crazy. Um, in general, in the U.S., it feels like the variation of experience between state and state or city and city is part of what makes this like all that much more hard to deal with. And then, uh, you know, that extends to internationally too, but at the same time, I feel like uh, most everywhere else is handling things a little better than we're handling it here in the U S like government wise or whatever, Mm. or kind of feels like a free for all here. Um, and that there's no clear leadership and, um, and, uh, the mandate kind of seems to be just like, just maybe you're going to die or maybe you aren't. <laughs> so, uh, I, I don't know, you know, like, uh, I don't go out all that much. Uh, I've, I've been here at home since March oh. and, uh, like I, you know, I have my daughter with me every other month. So I have my daughter with me right now. Um, and she's doing remote schooling, homeschooling. Um, so, you know, I, I haven't eaten at a restaurant since March. <laughs> um, I've gotten a lot of Uber Eats, but uh, other than like walking around the park that I live across the street from and going through for a daily run through the neighborhood, like I just haven't done anything. Other than make a record. I did make a record. We'll, we'll get to that. Don't segue just yet. We're, we're not done yet. Um, I mean, take COVID out of it for a second. I mean, obviously right now you guys are gearing up for an election, which is, you know, pretty standard, a, a pretty mental time. How are the things going as far as election and Trump v. Biden and everything else is going with it? I mean, like we're getting the coverage over here like crazy, like especially the debates that happened last week. Like it's it's full on here. I can't imagine what it's like over there. Um, I'm thankful that I, uh, never hooked up proper TV here at my house. (laughs) Like I have Netflix and I have HBO, you know, streaming services, but I don't have like a nightly news that I can turn on. Um, so I, I read about everything, obviously what's happening through like social media on Twitter, um, Facebook, whatever. And, um, I'll stream live news online when there's something like the debate to watch or whatever, so, like, I'm a little bit removed from the content, constant barrage of it. But that being said, it's still a constant barrage. Like, you just can't escape it, you know. And it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. Panic-inducing. It seems like they've already set it up to um, that no matter what, the results of the election will be in question. They've already – it's like – They've already, they're already like, well, there's no way, you know, we're going to be able to tell you what the results are on election night. You know, never mind these past couple hundred years of uh, we've always, you know, come out and said what the results are on election night. This time, who knows, you know, um, 
And it's just, it's terrifying. And everyone feels really divided. Everyone feels really tense. Like the few times that I do go out into public, like I was saying, like to the grocery store, whatever, like people just seem on edge. And it, it um, I don't know, you know, it, on the one hand, like I, I look for the things that I can throw myself into to try and just distract myself. And on the other hand, that doesn't feel that healthy. But what do you do right now? I, other than like, you know, voting and encouraging people to go out and vote but if it's already rigged and if they're already planning on like calling into question what the results are no matter what if that's their strategy how do you combat against that is there some sort of consensus of okay if we're not going to find out what it is on election night you know is it going to take two weeks a month two months no it's all vagueness and disinformation you know unless like there's like a just a really significant biden landslide but you know, I think that that's the strategy of of the Trump administration is to like destabilize it and to call in a question into question ahead of time the legitimacy of the election because of mail in ballots. When I'm, Jesus Christ, it's a fucking pandemic. You know, like let people vote by by mail. Like it is safe. You know, like it's 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 absurd. Isn't it fucking crazy as well like that we're living in a pandemic and last week the biggest news was a fly being on some guy's head? <laughs> um, I mean, like, it just goes to show you, you know, like we could be on the Titanic right now and it could be sinking into the ocean and some guy could have a fly on their head and, and people would be like, ha ha, <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's where we're at. It's fucking crazy. But this is now we can segue into into what you're here for, Laura, which is your brand new solo album, Stay Alive. Um, I guess the way this album came about was in pretty scary situations given the it kind of was inspired by the COVID pandemic. But the message from it and the and the way it all came together is incredibly uplifting. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what inspired Stay Alive straight off the bat? Well, I started out this year uh, thinking that I was going to be making a record with my band, with Against Me. And we had spent a week in the studio in January, a week in the studio in February, a week in the studio in March. And then I'd gone and played, uh, I opened up for Bernie Sanders at a rally in Michigan. And the day after that, we left on a tour, what was going to be like a three-week tour. And we had more tours booked after that. But uh, we were three days into the tour when the pandemic really hit, and it was clear that we had to cancel and go home. So none of us live in the same city. None of us live in the same state. Uh, And I spent like a month sitting on my couch being like, what am I doing? What's going on? But it was clear that all plans with making a record were kind of thrown out. You know, there was no way we could continue working on anything and move forward. And at that point, I was pretty deep into writing. Like I had written 30 plus songs and we had been working on a record for like two years, you know. Um, So the idea of having this open ended pandemic where, you know, maybe we'll get together again in a year. Maybe it'll be two years. We don't really know. But the idea of like, okay, two years and like what? We're going to just jump back into 30 plus songs that we were working on two years ago. It seemed like they'd have gone stale by then, you know, and that their relevance would be lost And that if anything, we'd want to start fresh at the same time, watching like news or like reading in the news, looking online and seeing nothing but reports of people being out of work, uh, venues closing, uh, record stores struggling um, and the music industry just basically in a free fall, total collapse. Like the idea of sitting there and doing nothing felt completely unacceptable, you know. 
And in asking myself, like, well, can you work? Yeah, I can work. You know, I'm a songwriter. That's supposed to be the advantage of, of being a musician is that level of independence. And really, even specifically then too, being a musician who started out on an acoustic guitar, that's supposed to be the advantage, that independence, that freedom. So I realized like, as long as I adjust my scope, I can still make a record. And that just means I have to make a record here in Chicago and I'll have to make a record without my band. So I started looking into options and Steve Albini has a studio here in, in town called Electrical Audio. And I've always wanted to make a record with him. His uh, resume speaks for itself. Uh, he's made a record with, with the Pixies, Nirvana, PJ Harvey, uh, and his own band, Shellac, uh, Big Black. Um, and I knew that he was an analog recording artist, which meant that it would be, instead of like a collage of Pro Tool together takes uh, a fabrication, that it would be more of a document, a snapshot in time, and uh, that I would have to be very well practiced and very efficient with my time in the studio. So I put together the plan and uh, asked Polyvinyl in the U.S. if they put it out, asked Cooking Vinyl in Australia if they put it out, and I booked four days in the studio and just went in and banged out a record. Yeah, wow. I mean, I love as well, I was, I was reading that, you know, with making this album, it obviously gives you something to do, but it puts a lot of other people in work. There's this ridiculous misconception that people think, you know what, Justin Bieber and Tom Hanks will be fine during COVID, but it's everyone like it's not just the artist or the actor whoever you it's production crew it's stage crew it's everyone they, they don't have anything to do right now and as you said making this album you've put not only yourself in work but so many others in work which is again really uplifting completely you know and that being said you know like there's a whole team of people that my band has worked with for years you know publicists um, like our merch company. And yeah, those people, if we're not working, they're not working. So again, the idea of like, if you can work, not working seemed unacceptable. And if the idea, and if all that was holding you back from working was not, uh, not doing it the way you usually do things or not following the kind of industry guideline plans of like you record a record, you book a tour, you announce the record, you go on this big headlining tour and you do that for two years and then you do it all over again. Like on paper from in that way, this album didn't make sense, you know, but, but in my head, like it made complete sense in that, you know, it would just have to be different and you just have to adapt and adaptability is just creativity. And if you're an artist, you should be fucking creative and figure it out how to do it. And if we're sitting here listening to like listening to news about venues closing down and about all that we've worked to build collapsing and you're just going to sit there, you're not going to do anything about it. I may not be the biggest artist in the world, but I'm going to fucking fight for it. You know, like I don't want to sit by and just let it all go away because I love it. I live for it. I appreciate it. So I just want to do my part. I read this article as well. The, the first two lines of it were like, the COVID pandemic hit, you had a panic attack, you decided to give up smoking weed, you decided to make an album. How quickly did all those things happen? Like, How much time did you give yourself to say, do what everyone's done, say, fuck COVID, you know, my plans are, are screwed. What's the point of any of this? How, how long did you give yourself to agree for a lack of a better word? It was like a month, you know, I, I quit smoking weed on 
on April 20th on 420. Um, and <laughs> Bad so day. we, Bad day we our it. tour canceled like in the middle of March. So like a month of just sitting there kind of stunned, but it was almost like, it was like a reverse panic attack. It was really like a moment of clarity in a way. Cause like, I've always leaned on smoking cannabis as a thing that helps me deal with my anxiety and kind of realizing I was in a place where like a lot of the anxieties that I was having were gone. And maybe that was just like not having to deal with, uh, social interactions as much being isolated sheltering in place um but maybe it was also like maybe this is all just one long manic episode that i'm in right now um where like i'm almost highly functioning in a panic state so if i have this like panic and uh, going on around me i get very centered of like i'm going to do this i'm going to survive this i've got this under control and it's when things aren't totally in disarray that i get into trouble (laughs) um so having like the world literally falling apart was like really centering where I was like, I got to get this together. Smoking cannabis is another thing that this seems very irresponsible right now, more so than ever. This is a respiratory illness. This affects your lungs. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to smoke weed all day. That's not right. I'm not working right now. People who can't pay their rent. I'm going to spend money on smoking cannabis. That's not right. I need to work. I need to do good right now. I need to be focused. Like that was where my head went to. And, uh, I've been able to like hold on to that clarity in a really great way. The album's been out for what almost two weeks. Now that it has been out for for that period of time, has it has it done what you hoped it would do? Has it given you that clarity that that space of thinking, as you just said, doing the right thing, doing what's right by you as an artist? Yes, yes. The process is what gave me that. You know, the process being fulfilling the recording session being a success coming out of it with a record that I liked on a personal level was like, ah, success. But what really, where it really measures up is like people seem into it. People really like the record. And so at a time when like genuinely people are bummed out, you know, people are depressed. People are are like dealing with so much anxiety to make a contribution that is just simply meant to like, Hey, I hope this makes it a little easier. You know, like I hope this, I hope you get something out of this. I hope it brightens your day. You know, like I enjoy listening to music and if I connect with music, that helps me get along, you know? So I hope this works for you. Mm. Um, to be able to do that and be actually hear people respond to that, that's like, that's all all I wanted. It's trying to find that, that nugget of silver lining or something to keep you going, right? Because I mean, the amount of people I've had on this podcast in the last, particularly three to six months, that say someone like Ollie from Bring Me the Horizon, they were planning to, to tour and that was really it this year. Obviously they couldn't, so now they're writing new music. The 1975 released an album, they were going to take time off, they're now writing a new album. Mike Shinoda's made two albums on Twitch. There is that <laughs> there is that little silver lining of it is encouraging musicians to kind of just keep making music and there's no reason you can't. And as you said, being in the studio for, what, four days? That's proof of that. Yeah. Um, and, and I do, you know, I, I also kind of wanted to get ahead of the curve in a little way with that, where I was like, all right, when this pandemic lets up, every band and their mother is going to release a record (laughs) and try to hit the road. So like trying to plan releasing a record around when the pandemic ends is just going to be ridiculous. So I've taken the more the mentality of like, I don't know, some of my favorite artists, like take Bob Dylan for an example. Um, Bob Dylan took like seven years off from the road in his late 30s or whatever, right? Um, So I've almost been like, just lean into it. 
just like almost tell yourself this is what you meant to do, that you were planning on taking like a hiatus from touring as opposed to sitting at home and being like, damn it, I wish I could be out on the road. You know, I do. Don't get me wrong. But like, I can't. So what's this, the point of sitting there and griping about that? And my mentality then has become just like, just keep working, just keep writing, keep recording music, just like, don't let it slow you down. Um, and, and, and it's really is like, I need those anchor points. Like I'm, I'm a self-motivated person, but at the same time, like I do need a certain amount of structure of like meeting deadlines, you know, or like, like booking studio time. Like, all right, I'm going to go in, I got to be practiced or, uh, okay. Like, you know, I got this interview to do. I, you know, like those kind of structures to be totally without that and to be totally without my band is like, that's alarming to me. So to have these structures still in place, like I just have to build them myself. Do you think these structures will change now? And again, I asked these questions a lot on the podcast in the last couple of months. Like, is there anything good or something positive you can take out of COVID? Like with this podcast, for example, whenever I would do an international interview pre-COVID, it didn't even think to me to get on Zoom. It was always just we got to get on the phone, I guess, and deal with that six-second fucking delay of I say something and then there's that awkward pause. But now, like this is this is something that I can do moving forward for the for against me. Like you know, you said that you guys were planning to get in the studio together. You can't. Is there any hope that you can do this remotely, or are there any plans to come together at some point? I'm still stunned. Wait, did Zoom existed before this year? Apparently, <laughs> I think honestly, I think I used it like once or twice for like a business meeting. And it was the weirdest fucking thing in the world. I'm like, why don't you just get on the phone? But now it's like, if this is this is so much better. It's like seeing a face and there's no weird delay all the time. Yeah. Well, that makes sense then that uh, that Zoom existed already. Because I was, <laughs> I was like surprised how quick that it came into play. Mm. Where it was like pandemic immediately happened and everything was like, all right, it's a Zoom call. <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't like, I don't want to make music remotely when it comes down okay. to it like i don't want to make music over zoom i want if i want to be in a band and to me a band is four or five or however many people in a room together playing music and making a record should be that too you know like the idea of manufacturing it from a distance it's just not my thing mm. i have more power to people if it is but it's not my thing what was the blueprint Pre-COVID, again, you've mentioned that you guys were going to record music. Was the plan tour for X amount of years? Was it to, I don't know, was it to write more music as quickly as possible? Was there a, a structure or a schedule for you guys? Well, I guess when it comes down to it, you know, we were kind of struggling a little bit to figure out what the structure was. And we were working on a record, but as I said, like we had 30 some odd songs that we were choosing between and still didn't feel like we had the record. And so it wasn't like I just took the the exact record that against me was going to make and just did it this way instead. I just took the songs out of the 30 some odd that I'd written. I took 14 of the songs and was like, I think these are a record already. They don't need any work, you know, like they're just a good record. Um, but beyond that, you know, like we were going to release, we were going to record a record and we were going to release it. And we were going to do the same thing again. You're going to go on tour and everything. So I guess like if you're looking for silver linings, like, that's one in a way like things do get stale sometimes and you do need to shake things up. And like, if you're in a, if you're in a place where you're almost doing things just for the sake of doing things, maybe that's not the best, you know, maybe that's not totally healthy. And uh, maybe having something that totally disorganizes your life 
uh, will in the end eventually get you back to a place where it's all for the better. Mm. Do you think against me moving forward, if you know hypothetically the gates open tomorrow, do you guys go back to what you were doing in March? No, we start fresh. And that's what I was saying is that like the idea of, of, of sitting on 30 some odd songs and then a year later we're allowed to get back together. I didn't want to jump back into them because it was already like the momentum wasn't really there. Like we weren't totally vibing on it or anything like that. So bringing everyone back to it, like, Hey, everybody, remember how we weren't having really that great of a time before the (laughs) pandemic. Let's get right back to it. You know, like no one wants to do that. What, um, what do you mean by you guys want to get into a good time? What, know, what do you mean you guys weren't having a good time? I mean, like the Against Me train was seemingly going great. I mean, you guys are gearing up for your first album in a couple of years. Everything seemed to be going really well, right? Well, there's, you know, there's differences. Like as a live band, no problem. You know, like <laughs> touring, playing shows, it's great that, you know, but in the studio, it's like when you've been a band for a while, you're like haunted by your past in, in the way of like you have a legacy you have these albums that you've made and each new record feels like a it's got to be some kind of response to the last record or the record before that so you're thinking of it in this like really big way that sometimes is debilitating um and you get caught up on that which to me then is why it's so freeing to just like throw all that out and be like i'm just gonna do a record I'm going to do it by myself. I've never done that totally by myself. And so there's no like standard to measure up to. There's no expectation you're trying to reach for. It's all fresh. And um, it's really then just about like, am I happy with it? Yeah, I'm happy with it. Cool. Mm. That's all that matters. Did it surprise you how quickly Stay Alive came together as far as getting to the studio, recording, releasing? I mean, if you wanted to, if you had the songs for it, you could do this once a week. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that um, an exclusive? You are doing that I, I once mean, a week. It, it took a lot of work for me. <laughs> how, how, do you but have? If I had the songs, I could maybe do it once a week. Sure. Do you, Do you have more plans to to keep this theme going as as long as the pandemic is, I guess, tying you down to do that? Well, you know, especially with the with the Chicago winter coming up, like my plan is to just write through the winter, and 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 really like it felt really natural and I'm sorry to like turn into a total hippie here right now for a second, but it felt really natural to line things up in that way of like, you know, this record was like, I wrote songs through all last winter and in the spring, like kind of planted the seeds of the idea of like, all right, I'm going to book some studio time. I'm going to record this recorded during the summer. And then in the fall, literally released it on the harvest full moon of like here, this is everything you worked for all through the spring, all through the summer, and it's time to harvest that. Um, so lining up in a natural cyclical way to me feels really good. And now I'm heading back into the winter and it's going to be snowy and it's going to be cold and there's a pandemic. So I'm not going to go outside. I'm just going to sit in my office and I'm going to write songs. And then in the spring, I imagine like, okay, let's see what we can do with this, you know? And, and especially if things get better and able to travel again, you know, like, I don't know, figure it out, but it's hard to say everything's so touch and go right now and everything's so damn scary with the election, you know? Are you doing your first live stream show this week or next week? And by live stream, I mean like it's going to be you in a a genuine live music venue, but no one in there. 
Yes, on on the 17th at uh, Lincoln Hall, which is one of my favorite venues here in in Chicago. And, I, you know, that was another thing, like talking about the Zoom calls and stuff where it was like that that gave me an anxiety attack. I had an immediate like uh, with the pandemic hitting and it was like immediately like everyone wants to Zoom. And then all of a sudden everyone is live streaming. I go on Instagram and there's like up there in the stories, it's everyone is live. And it's always someone with an acoustic guitar right up on the camera. And uh I'm just like, oh, my God, <laughs> like none of this is good. It sounds like shit. It looks like shit. Um, just give it a second. Let's figure this out and, yeah. and do it right. There's, like This is going to last a while. We don't need to rush into it. Let's pace ourselves. And I, I think I'm more of a marathon runner than I am a sprinter. So I really just needed a second to like figure out my, what I thought was the appropriate approach to it. And the idea artistically of like playing in a venue that's empty um, that seems tasteful to me. And that seems right. That seems like the right juxtaposition of a visual. And then also, again, like, even though there won't be people there, that puts the venue to work. That is a show happening at the venue where there will be staff there that have to be, you know, that, that are being paid. There's going to be a lighting person. There's going to be a sound person. Um, and so in wanting to keep venues alive and, and well here in Chicago, like, that's what you can do. And I really like, I've been surprised more venues haven't adopted that model. I know that with some the overhead may be unrealistic, but like, I think artists and they want to help bands want to work. So if we could all just figure out a way to do it together and just adapt, be creative about it. I think we can do it together. You know, do you think bands and artists actively want to perform live right now, given the circumstances over there? Well, as long as it's safe, I think they do. It, it's tough because, like, you know, I got offered some shows recently, actually, for November that were, like, socially distanced shows in a venue here where everyone would be seated at tables. And, like, you know, I actually had to send the email today where I was like, it doesn't feel right. And I don't think it's necessarily safe. And I know that there's other artists that are doing it, and I don't knock them for doing it, you know, but at the same time, I kind of want to have solidarity with the bigger community and just wait until it's totally safe, that we know it's totally safe to do it, you know, to have any kind of like audience show show. What's the consensus over there? Is there any vague expectation of when that will come back in America? No, it's just complete disorganization and confusion, especially because every set, like every city has different regulations of like stages of reopening. Like, you know, the venue I was talking about playing was a venue here in Chicago where technically right now, because of the stage of reopening we're in, um, you know, restaurants are allowed to have like X amount of people in them. So extending that into a venue because it's seated and there's like table service or whatever, they could sneak in a show like that. Sure. But again, I haven't gone out to a restaurant since March. And, well, now you, you can. Know, it's funny, like, I feel like anxiety even at the idea of being in public places right now, like with a lot of people around. Yeah, wow. So if, let's just say things get better in March 2021, what are you hoping to do? Are you hoping to, would you like to tour the solo stuff? Are you going to go straight back to a, to Against Me recording or writing? Yeah, to be totally forthright, like I wanted to be able to come out the gate swinging, you know, like where, as I was saying, like 
okay, if everyone sticks to the old model of having a tour already planned before they release a record, then everyone is going to want to release a record immediately after this pandemic lets up. So if I just keep releasing records until the pandemic lets out, then I don't need to worry about planning to release a record. I can just start touring immediately. Yeah. And, and that doesn't necessarily like that can be anything if it's just a solo record. If it's just a record that's me on an acoustic guitar, there's no reason why Against Me can't go out immediately on tour and still play those songs. We'd already been working on those songs as a full band. There's no reason why we couldn't record a live record with those songs on there. Like, there's just more possibilities of stuff you can do. And then also, if Against Me can't tour immediately, it maybe it's smaller venues that open up first, right? Then these are the perfect songs to take place in a smaller venue. So then I can immediately go out on tour solo record, like, or just solo me. So like my approach and thinking was really like, give yourself as many options as possible. Don't paint yourself into a corner here and do it one way that like is like, is, is just can't bend in any way, you know? Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. The last time you were in Australia was 2017. If things hadn't panned out the way they did, when would we have seen you back in Australia? Well, no, I, you are wrong. I was there in 2019. Oh, damn um, it, really? I came, <laughs> I was there on the Bot to Rot record I did with uh, The Devouring Mothers and uh, did a tour with Murder by Death. And um, it was a great tour. And I'm thankful that uh, I got the chance to go there That that's um, then. But um <laughs> I, you know, like if one, like I put a priority on, on, on wanting to make sure this record was released in Australia because I put a priority on touring in Australia because I love touring in Australia. So as soon as I'm able to, and that was, you know, and and then similar thinking too, where it's like, okay, well, if you can't tour in the U S first, what if I can tour overseas? Make sure that you can tour other places too. (laughs) That was like a funny theory has been floating around as well with say Australia is, is probably doing better than some other countries in Europe and and the U S as far as COVID goes. What's your stance on say, if just for argument's sake, America's fucked for another two years and you have the option to come to Australia, isolate tour, stay here for two weeks, then go home because back home there's no shows going on. Is that something that you think is doable? I would do it if it was doable. Um, I think, you know, from a realistic financial standpoint, having to isolate for two weeks in a hotel, Mm. if that was something that as a touring musician, you had to pay for out of pocket, that's going to be tough to recoup from just that's two weeks of hotel bills, you know, like, and that's, that's a lot. Um, So unless that was something that was paid for by the government or like it was on a higher ticket price to accommodate for that. But, um, I don't know. I've even been like no joke looking into moving to other places. So if that became an option, I would, I would move, but um, I don't know. We'll see what happens, you know? Yeah. Well, Laura, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. The album is called stay alive. It is out right now. Anything else you want to say before we go? No, just thank you very much. And I really do hope to be able to, to come into Australia soon. Thank you very much. And it is 2019, not 2017. Thanks for correcting me and making me look like an absolute <laughs> jerk. Laura, thank you so much for coming and we'll talk soon. Right on. Take it easy, now. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Laura Jane Grace for coming on the Green Room Podcast. The album is called Stay Alive. It's out right now. Check it out on Spotify or wherever you listen to your music. If you like what you hear, check out thepodcast.com.au for more episodes of the Green Room Podcast, as well as the take with Willie Mason. It's final season in the NRL. We're up to semifinals week. 
The last couple of weeks we've had Anthony Minicello, Ronnie Matua, who's on this week. Head to thepodcast.com.au and find out. We'll talk next week. 